We are live. It is, oh man, it's Tuesday night already. We have been doing this every Tuesday night for the entire football season. Main man, Jason Porter with Legacy Realty. Uh, looks like you got a new background. I got a new background. I don't want to talk about mine. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure you got a nice Buffalo over there. We got so much to get to tonight on the show. Um, I guess let's just clarify, Chad, and make sure that your new background has nothing to do with you being in the doghouse. You're good, right? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. This right. is, uh, right. this is, this is, uh, yeah, purely work related. And, uh, yeah, we're all good over here. Um, no need. I will, I could start a, a GoFundMe if, if we could get enough momentum <laughs> going that way. Um, I will go ahead and put a disclaimer out tonight that I am drinking a non caffeinated carbonated water. This is called, uh, I'm not going to pronounce it. I got another one over here lined up. It's called Liquid Death. I did look Whoa. at this one. It's got a little, a little bit of sugar, but not nothing compared to the one we had last yes. week. All right, um, Jason, before we get into all that we got tonight, we got uh, Mitch Harper. For, he covers BYU. We've got Live with 55. We've got uh, Richie Longshot's giving his picks live tonight. I've got so much to talk to John about. I, I, honestly, I haven't been on Twitter much the last two days, and I just got to catch up, and I, I, that'll be good to catch up with John. Uh, we got BYU coming to town. So here's my one question for you before we bring on Live with 55. As someone who's been around the program for a long time, you know the vision of the school, the mission of the school. You saw what uh, Hugh Freeze said last time when we played at BYU, how impactful that was. You probably saw the video this year where he talked about playing BYU. What does it mean to you as a fan, to you as somebody who – you know, it's kind of a cool rivalry and we can kind of sympathize with them in a lot of ways in terms of being mm -hmm. a religious institution, uh, colleges with lots of rules uh, per se or a, a code of conduct is a better way to put that. Um, what does this mean to you personally as a fan, um, you know, with with them being uh, being, um, you know, the religious institution for for Mormons and, and the church of Latter-day Saints and all that, uh, how has that, how does that impact your thoughts for this game this weekend? Yeah, I just think it's one more, one more, uh, exclamation point on Dr. Falwell's vision, vision chat. I think that's one of the coolest things. So those of us who have been around a while and a little bit old school, remember those, that speech well, you know, and Dr. Falwell's booming voice where he talked about Liberty being to, Christians, what BYU is to the Mormons and Notre Dame is to the Catholics. And man, it's it, it's coming to fruition right now, which is just really cool to see that. I'm excited to watch the guys battle. I think uh, I don't think that's going to be lost on any of them, regardless of, uh, you know, the, obviously not being um, around when Dr. Falwell initially announced that vision, if you will. But uh, it's just it's just one more thing. You know, you see Dr. Falwell's vision literally coming to life just about on all phases of campus and he talked uh, for a long time about athletics and music being the two ways that Liberty was going to get on the map and man he's he's been spot on so I think this is just going to be a really great weekend to showcase the campus um, and it, it just it always televises so beautifully I don't know if you ever get feedback about that but I've got family all over the country that uh, tend to tune in and uh, are big fans and they just always talk about how the stadium looks and the crowd and the, and the student section see your red just the whole thing so I think this will be just be one more awesome opportunity for us to showcase our talent and uh, put a put a great product on the field like we know the guys will do. Hey, that's a great point. It is on national TV. So regardless of the records, regardless of 
the institutions and all that thing. This is going to look great on TV, national, uh, you know, like you said, and and our our team at Liberty. I know ESPN's doing this one, um, you know, but our team at Liberty with LFSN and all the guys and and just the way the students show up, it does look great on TV. Yeah. Um, you know, Travis Allen. I got to meet. Uh, I got to meet him on uh, Saturday. We actually sat in the same berm, and. Um, you know, first of all, leave my mom out of the chat tonight. That was super uh, weird for last night, Travis. I appreciate that. Uh, and, and he says he was there and heard the speech many times. Can't wait for the game. Um, and even join the students in storming the field. We'll get to storming the field later. Uh, but first, let's bring in our main man, number 55, uh, Brendan Schlittler, uh, for our Live with 55. All right, there he is. Uh, Brendan, we're going to jump right in tonight. Uh, <laughs> skip the pleasantries. We've got a big game this week. Uh, what are your thoughts on playing BYU, who is hosting hosting BYU as a P5 type team? Uh, what type of opportunity is this for you and uh, your team? And what what's kind of the vibe right now in the locker room? And what are you guys bringing into this Saturday? Anything special? Yeah, it all started on Monday when Coach uh, gave his speech to the team. He set the tone, and uh, they released some of that video. And I got the chills just thinking about the opportunity that we have on Saturday. And um, I think we're just all grateful to be in a situation and, uh, you know, just excited to prepare these next couple days for what's to come because it's going to be an incredible opportunity and uh, a lot of people watching. Yeah. Brennan, uh, I just wanted to uh... – Say, man, I, I was actually kind of tuning into your position a little bit on Saturday. I was locked into the O line and watching you guys on a couple of series and uh, series, series I, whatever that would be. Um, but uh, man, you guys were uh, there were a couple of couple of formations and, and plays that I watched. I'm going a little uh, rearview mirror here, Chad. I apologize, but um, I, I, I want to tell you about one thing that was going on in in, in the section where I was sitting. That uh, we need some some insider explanation for because I had a lot of armchair quarterbacks. Can you explain? the last series in the game where you don't go in and score and you take a knee and to, to burn the clock, explain kind of what the thought process was behind that. And Chad, I know you were forecasting BYU, but I'm going retro for just two seconds. Cause like I said, there was a lot of chatter and a lot of folks that did not understand what that was all about. Yeah. So the main thing is we called a timeout, I believe, or they did. And uh, one of our guys actually heard the other team talk, and they're like, hey, like, let them in, let them in. So we communicated that with the coaches, uh, let them know what they were trying to do. So then we got to talk with our guys. And obviously, if you guys have followed us for a while, you remember the Coastal Carolina game. So uh, that happens where we fumble the ball on the one-yard line, don't get down in time, and that's a mess. And we almost, you know, have to go to OT instead of winning it in regulation. So kind of learned some wisdom from that. And, uh, you know, in this time we told them we're going to go down. So they don't have enough time, timeouts to, you know, get the ball back if we keep running the ball and taking a knee. So um, at that point, you just got to humble up, even though you can get an extra seven and take the win. So um, it's just, it's more guaranteed than anything else. May not look as pretty, but that's kind of the purpose on that. You don't want to give them the ball back and have a chance to go down uh, score with a minute left and then, you know, hit the two point conversion to go to OT. 
Oh man, I love that. I love that. That is that's is really cool that you guys heard that on the field, relayed that to the coaches. Incredible. And I also love one other phrase you said there is humble up. And uh, that's what I immediately thought of when I saw Day Day run in. You know, he didn't play in the first half. He played in the second half. And uh, he still had, you look see on the screen there, he still had 76 yards and a touchdown. Could have very easily been 77 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, but but good on him for sliding down and good on, on you guys for uh, getting all that communication done and learning the lesson from Coastal, a very painful lesson. But we still won that game, so all good there. Um, Brendan, uh, looking back at Gardner-Webb, I mean, it's Tuesday. We have all kind of flushed it a little bit. Um, you know, it wasn't a good performance from uh, a score perspective. But like I think Freeze said this week, and I thought it was a good a good quote, he said, uh, you know, w- if you win the Masters, does it matter if you win by four strokes or one stroke? No, you won the Masters. Same thing, we're six and one. Uh, what is y'all's mindset to flush Gardner-Webb? And is the opportunity so big against BYU that you've kind of already got got that out of your mind pretty easily? Is is that as something easy to kind of learn from and get on from a, a game like that where you win? Um, and how much easier is that than a game that you lose like that? Yeah, the, the, the biggest priority is just to win the game, no matter how ugly it is. You could play the best game in the world and still lose, and an ugly, ugly, ugly win will trump that 10 days out of 10. So um, first and foremost, we take the win, but um, I think we're very blessed to be in a situation we're in being 6-1, and one, and that's just, a, you know, strictly because of our culture and our grit that we are 6-1. and one. It's not because of flawless execution so um there's a lot to clean up still a lot to work through obviously a lot of challenges in our side of the ball but we're not letting that define us and we're going to keep going and finding ways to win so um yeah we've kind of looked forward to BYU and let that one go in the trash but you know same message as always we gotta we gotta find a way to win Brennan, I remember back in the in, in the FCS days, it seems like whenever we would go up toe-to-toe um, against the FBS guys, it seems like we ran about three and a half quarters deep, right? I mean, we were kind of competing with them, and then all of a sudden the scholarships and the speed and the talent and the strength and whatever just kind of took over. Did you guys kind of get that vibe a little bit at the beginning of the fourth quarter when it just sort of seems like something clicked and, and I, I don't know, it just there was no looking back, and it just kind of, even though the score was tight, it just sort of felt like it, it was going in the win column. Yeah, we're super optimistic. I know I am personally. I mean, we could be down with a minute left, and I know we're going to find a way to pull it out. So, um, but we're a second-half team. The stats show that, um, you know, we battle hard, and we believe in the fourth quarter. If we're within a couple scores, we always, always have a shot. So, um, especially against an FCS team where they have less scholarship guys, uh, less depth, and uh, we we just believe in the fourth. So, we always had our eyes on that win. All right. So, you know, we talk a lot about uh, being, well, first of all, before we go any further, you got to, you got to meet Greg again and some of the guys that work for RT Rogers. Tell us a little bit about what RT Rogers oil co incorporated is about and, uh, and why, how they sponsor this segment. Yeah. So as you mentioned, you got to meet Greg, uh, Liberty alum. That's so kindly sponsors the show. Um, they deliver oil to six different states, all different climates, and uh, regardless of your fueling needs, uh, wherever you are, no matter the conditions, hit them up and they'll find a way to get it to you. So I had the opportunity to actually ask them some wild stories, and uh, between crashing trucks and 
bears in the trucks. There was a bunch of some some wild stuff that's happened, but they always find a way. So that's what matters. Yeah, that was that was that was pretty uh, funny to hear. And uh, you know, thanks for taking the time to do that. And uh, you know, you, you're a consummate professional. I've said this. I haven't said it recently, but the way you handle yourself on these interviews uh, is a, is a tough spot to be in sometimes. Uh, but you do a great job. And then also the way you uh, kind of kind of uh, make things happen with RT Rogers, uh, dude, your, your, your mom, I know you don't like sometimes bringing your family into this, but your mom said, even if he doesn't make the NFL or the pro bowl, he is going to be successful in whatever he does. And since my mom was brought into this last week, I'm bringing your mom into this. And uh, <laughs> she had some really nice things to say about you. And I just uh, knocked my camera down. So, all right, here's another question for you. And that is the run game. Um, <laughs> It feels like that, and I've asked you this every season, but it feels like that we go two to three running backs deep. And um, I know that with the RPO, sometimes you don't know if it's going to be a run. You don't know it's going to be a pass. And then you also have the three different running styles. Um, Is it like, it's got to be crazy to get like surprised a lot of the times on these plays. Like, oh, Shadro's right up on your back and he's running the ball. Or, oh, there's a slant that's been completed, but I'm still blocking. How many plays would you guess at a percentage-wise, 50% or higher, um, are you kind of surprised at the outcome of what is happening because you're so locked in on on your assignment? I'm going to be honest. Uh, the majority of the plays, we don't know what's going to happen. So there's like one or two calls where we know, depending on if it's a five or a six-man box, the ball's for sure getting thrown. But besides those specific ones, there's a bunch of calls where – we don't know what's going to happen. It could go left. It could go right, run or pass, slant, deep ball. It's anything. So you just got to focus on what your assignment is. And sometimes you'll be blocking a guy like it's a run game and you'll see Noah Frith catch a ball 40 yards down the field. You're like, well, that's nice. And then sometimes you'll feel day-to-day in your back and it just, <laughs> it just kind of all happens. So um, we can't see what's behind us. So, you kind of get a feel with how the linebackers play, if they kind of backpedal or the D-line chases where the ball's at. So besides that, we have no idea where it's going. We just got to run our feet and hope for the best. It's a very high-level question, Chad. I actually heard guys in the NFL talking about that over the weekend. Very, oh, thank <laughs> you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brennan, I was going to ask, too, you know, speaking of that, and, and as you guys are watching, watching film, what is it about uh, BYU's D-line that you're – excited about the matchup for anything particular, obviously without spilling trade secrets, which you wouldn't do anyway, but uh, what kind of thing is, excites you about the matchups? Uh, I would say their D line is just big, strong and stout. Um, they're more power D linemen. So not necessarily lateral guys, but um, you know, if you're not bringing your big boy pants, you'll get smacked around. So uh, definitely gonna be a very physical game in the box and one that uh, is going to be earned for sure. So, uh, you got to strap in your helmet every single play and you got to just grind it out. It's one of those games where it's going to be a, just an absolute battle. So we're preparing for that right now mentally and uh, obviously throughout the whole summer and stuff. Like this is a team where you have to be strong in order to play them well. So we're excited for the opportunity. Last one here is about the 2019 game at BYU. Uh you know, what do you remember about that experience there in Provo? And, uh, you know, I'm sure they have a few of the same guys. You were one, of, maybe one of the few on our team that uh, contributed on that during that game. Uh, 
what do you remember about that BYU team from 2019? Just as a, in general, their program, what was it built on back then? And uh, do you expect to see a lot of similarities this weekend? I would say the two things that come to mind, how they play is their strength. They're just, a lot of them are very strong. And then as people, their class that they presented was incredible. Uh, Just the way they treated us, the hospitality. Uh, We had like goodie bags in our lockers from them, just full of stuff, just, you know, welcoming us and their fans were awesome and uh that was just a great trip overall the stadium was incredible the view's awesome um but yeah that trip was awesome we actually were watching some film today we watched film with BYU from this season I remember playing there you know in 2019 so I threw on that film and uh there was a few guys same numbers and the same style of play that I recognized from back then so um the funny thing is now you know some of their guys are They've always had 24 and 25 year olds on their team. And now with the COVID year and all that stuff, we've got a few of our own. So it might be a little more evenly matched. But yeah, that's that's a that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. We've always thought that about BYU. They, you know, some of them do their mission before going to college. So they get like grown men, I think. Hugh Freeze called them this week. Uh, but, yeah, they do get a lot of older guys. So, all right, Brendan, appreciate you, man. Good luck uh, this weekend. Big opportunity. I know you guys are excited. I'm very excited to see Williams Stadium. It's going to be packed. I predict just the most uh, the most packed and uh, raucous crowd we've ever seen at Williams Stadium in the history. Not just Let's your career and in uh, the whole career and the whole uh, history of the school. So, good luck, man. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you very much. You guys have a good one. And uh, Jason, that is it. Uh, we will catch you Saturday. Uh, we'll see you at, at the tailgate. Appreciate uh, all you're doing with a sea of red. And then, uh, you know, just keep killing it. And uh, appreciate appreciate all you're doing. And we will see you Saturday, man. Sounds good, brother. Thanks, Chad. Go Flames. Yep. Yep. Go Flames. Hey, everybody. My name is Jason Porter. I'm with Legacy Real Team Development. And it's been a, a great partnership here with Sea of Red lately. Uh, I was with Liberty Athletics as the Associate Athletic Director for Sports Medicine, so took care of all of the uh, healthcare needs and coordinated that with a fantastic staff at Liberty um, in the athletic department, of course, for about uh, five or six years, and then uh, moved into real estate full-time and uh, with Legacy Realty and Development. And uh, it's just been a great pleasure to continue to stay connected with my Liberty University uh, family and the athletics family as well. I've been enjoying serving them. Uh, a lot of the um, graduate assistants and some of the staff that I hired has come back now and has uh, been using me for residential services, which I really appreciate. But certainly do residential real estate as far as buying and selling of homes, of course. And then also uh, we have a strong commercial presence as well. So commercial real estate, um, obviously a very, very different animal than is residential. But uh, whether it's buying and selling commercial uh, properties or uh, just the leasing of properties, we can help with that as well. So it's uh, been a great uh, opportunity to service our commercial clients as well. And then certainly on the investment front, too, a number of um, folks who have discovered the power of passive income through real estate and investing in real estate with rental properties or fix and flips, those kind of things. And so great joy to, um, to serve my clients in that capacity as well. The uh, other thing that I would add too is just a very, very full Rolodex at this point of contractors and subs and just different professional contacts that I've made through the years. So if I can ever provide any of those folks to you and all of a sudden you need a plumber or an electrician or a contractor to build your deck, whatever, I'd certainly be glad to give you access to that Rolodex and those references as well. Because a lot of times it's not exactly 
who you know, it's uh, who you know that knows how to do the job well. And so I would be glad to provide those services for you as well. So love Flames Nation, love taking care of um, my Liberty uh, family. And if there's ever anything I can do for you, my contact information is all right here on the screen. And I would love to be a service to you and yours. Thanks so much. Diarman is with us. Uh, first of all, let me just say, uh, JP, as he's affectionately known in the Liberty community, Jason Porter, um, I have asked him to do something special for us the next couple of weeks. I don't know when we're going to get to it, uh, but Jason is going to break down what it looks like if your student, if you are a, a parent of a student that goes to Liberty and they want to live off campus, what it looks like for them to uh, buy a house in Lynchburg and then rent that out to their friends. Uh, I've asked him to kind of break down that math for us and what it looks like. I'm looking forward to that because uh, great. You know, hopefully hopefully, my sons go to Liberty one day and I can take advantage of that real estate uh, market in Lynchburg and JP is the man for that. So I wanted to mention that. I've given him a homework assignment and I told him he had a couple of weeks. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that turns out. Looking forward to that. All right, KD, first of all, uh, Love the hat. I don't even know what it says, but it looks really sweet. Uh, and, Appreciate uh, it. And Thanks. also the also the swag there. You got the Liberty. Man, you've got all the good Liberty gear. I don't know how you get all this good stuff. Uh, I do. I do have. I do have some great Liberty gear. Speaking of yes. Chad, Chad. Yes. Yes. I say that we do a little Twitter competition for our uh, our followers and. You know, I have a couple bins full of of uh, some swag, some mm. coaches only gear, players only gear that uh, we'll do. Say we'll do this. So my Twitter handle's right there. We need a um, prediction on attendance number for this weekend. That is that is the challenge. That is the competition. So the person who gets closest to that number will, uh, I guess, we'll give them their pick of 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 gear. Not the awesome. hoodie, but we'll give a pick a gear. So that's that out awesome. there for Flames Nation. All right. So let's talk about attendance for just real quick. Uh, <clears throat> well, I saw some attendance records today and I tweeted out something like we should throw out the FCS numbers. And, and as somebody who played and coached in the FCS era and look, there's nobody who loves that era more than me because uh, I was a part of that. That's where I that's where I was born and raised as a Flames fan. Uh what I meant by that, and I, I want to know if you agree with this, is attendance was counted different back in those days. We didn't have the second upper deck uh, on, on the east side. Uh, students weren't packed in there like they are these days, but somehow our numbers were a little bit higher. Uh, just seeing the crowd, I mean, you weren't there uh, this last Saturday at Gardner-Webb, but just seeing some of these crowds we've had, I know Syracuse was a big game but it just didn't have those same numbers. Would you agree that you can't compare the two? Uh, one was, I mean, FBS adds in a whole new way of counting attendance. Uh, I think, um, you know, what, what I, do you, what do they, how do they, how do you think we counted it back then though? That's, that's what I don't, well, how did Jeff, I, I guess Jeff Barber uh, counted it differently or what, what yeah, were we, what were we doing? Yes, it was. It wasn't. It wasn't anything to do with who the AD was. It has everything to do with FBS requirements. 
back uh, when we back when we weren't FBS, we weren't. I can't give you exactly, but I know that like back then it was if you sold season tickets or however many tickets you sold, you could count those where they showed up or not. Now they have to actually scan their ticket, something like that. And then all the on-field personnel. So there was like the band members and stuff like that could get counted as students and band members and all kinds gotcha. of stuff. But now gotcha. like FBS regulates, it has nothing to do with who the AD was. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know if it was just, you know, they counted yeah. it different differently or, or Barbara who did a great job who got us to those numbers you know I mean like yeah he did a great job on, on doing that no uh discredit to him I don't know I mean I think that there's a possibility that we did have big numbers you know I know you said something about the Montana game I was on the field for the Montana game as a coach and I remember I mean I thought it was packed but you felt like you, but you were at Gardner Webb, so you were saying that Gardner Webb, there was definitely way more people. So how did how does Montana, you know, how does it have you know more player more attendance, right? That's kind of what you're saying. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, what throws me off is that second deck in the east side. Uh, just you know, any number of people. I've never seen the west pack west side as packed as it was uh, on Saturday against Gardner Webb. Like it was packed. I've never seen it. up in the corners. Student section was probably, I don't know, 80, 90%. So it wasn't like completely packed for Gardner Webb. All I'm saying is FBS requires a much more stringent way of counting than FCS. It has no, no, nobody's, uh, nobody is uh, saying that we were fudging numbers or anything like that or guesstimating. It was just a way of counting. And I've had it broken down for me before. It was probably like five years ago. I've had it broken down for me before the major differences. Uh, how many college football fans are actually in the stands? We can't read any of that. It's real small, but you can see that like it's a it's a thing on how you count how you count fans. So um, yes, Montana was off the chain, and it was really fun as far. Oh, you know, you program. mentioned you mentioned that when we went and played SMU uh, in twenty seventeen, maybe I can't. Whenever the last time we were at SMU and we played them, um, they announced like twenty two thousand, and there was no way. It was like 22,000 tailgated and bought a ticket, but didn't go into the game. So, you know, I don't know. All all I think is that we we should shatter the record this weekend. Then we won't even have to talk about it because then there'll be a bar set. So bang, that's what I'm talking about. So when I said throughout the FCS, it had nothing to do with those players or those ADs or anybody that worked hard to build that kind of thing. It was just the difference in counting. And I'm going to be talking to Ian this week. And that's one thing I'll ask him about is, Hey, what's the difference? Because there is a difference. I just can't, I can't recall all of it. Yeah. Um, so anyways, all right. <clears throat> Thoughts on uh, being six and one as somebody who uh, grinded for years to get wins, you know, uh, do you, how do you cope personally with an ugly win? I mean, that what we had, I would classify as an ugly win. Uh, it still gets there's no U in front of the W in our in our in our in our uh, win loss record. But how do you cope with ugly wins? Do you just say, "Hey, hey, we got the dub, let's move on," or do you say, "Hey, man, we gotta we gotta improve"? Or does it does it really sink at you for a minute that like, wow, if we play like that again this Saturday, we might not. We might get run off the field. How do you personally cope with that as, as one, a player, as two, a coach, and three, as a fan? How are you, like, dealing with an ugly win? Well, I think that, you know, you you have – they always happen during the season. You always have an ugly win, you know. But it's way better to have, like Free said, an ugly win than, you know, a devastating loss. Like, that would have just been a heartbreaking, devastating loss, you know, 
air taken out of the balloon, headed into BYU. That's what that would have been. I would take that all day. You just kind of breathe a sigh of, of relief. It's like, wow. you know. And I guarantee you they went in on Sunday and they were like, all right, let's fix this, flush it, move on. You know, Let's not harp on our mistakes from Gardner-Webb. Let's move on to trying to beat BYU. Because that's where you can get as a coach and as a player like, man, we did this and we did that and we did this and we did that. And we, we, that we don't move on fast enough. Um, but I guarantee you that, that they went in on Sunday. He may not even watch the film uh, with the players. They probably talked about it quickly, moved on and said, Hey, it's a win to move on. We got to prep for BYU great opponent. Um, but let's not harp on Gardner Webb. I mean, they are a good FCS team. The record doesn't show up, but they've played, you know, good competition and, you always have those lulls in the year. It's so hard to stay up and keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. You know, game seven of the year, it's right in the middle. You know, when it comes to kind of bowl games and figuring all that out, it's kind of in the middle, right? But it's it's tough to win those games. I remember as a player, Coach Rocco, you know, he was really – he's he was tough on us. Um, and, and, you know, just his coaching style, I loved it, loved playing for him. But you always felt like those Rocco years, there was always one game that was just a letdown game. It was just a game that we shouldn't have lost, and uh, we did. And it just comes down to just you grind so hard for so many weeks, and then, boom, there's that one game. So, luckily, we were able to escape with a win. Uh, I'm proud of the way the guys fought for sure, and we got to play better. I mean, we got to play better to, to beat BYU, that's for sure. <clears throat> yeah, I, I seems like I say this once or twice a year that college football is unique in that way. Whereas like college basketball, you can play really crappy one night and it doesn't impact you at all. You know, in, in college football, when you play really crappy and you still get the win, that's like it's like magical. That's what you want. You hope to have a win on your crappy nights. And I would say we had a pretty crappy night and still got the win. And you kind of celebrate that because there's so many college football teams who got upset just this last Saturday and it happens every week college football is a sport of upsets and those upsets you can't just swallow those like you can in college basketball or any yeah. other sport it's yeah, pretty no much season ending all right uh let's talk about um one thing that i am uh kind of wanting to see with uh the offense is i don't know i i, I know we're not going to break it down too much here but consistency in, scoring yeah. points what do we want to <laughs> yeah, see yeah, no no, I I'm putting my I'm putting my NCAA 2004 hat on here for a minute, and basically I'm calling the plays, okay? And Hugh Freeze has the experience; he has all of the proven track record. You know it, it, what he's doing is winning games, but sometimes I'm screaming in the stands, and I thought we saw a short to intermediate passing game this Saturday that we haven't seen all season long. Um, you know, how, how cognizant is, 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 is a, you think he listens to the pod and he, no, he heard no, you talk? Absolutely, and he not. <laughs> absolutely not. All right. I will say, so I want to get to that. My, my grandfather had three S's. Uh, they were a little different than mine, but slant screens and swing passes. Are those kind of thrown in and out every week in a game plan? Or is it kind of like, you know, I don't know. I don't want you to give any way any trade secrets, but at the same time, why can't we do more short passes? That's my question. Why right, can't we question. do more short passes? Good question. Uh, no, I mean, I think it's just in the flow of the game and it's the the play design. I mean, you have when it's when you're not successful on first down and you get into a second and 10, you know, you might try to throw something that's short, but 
you know, the defense is also probably trying to take it away and forcing you to try to go a little bit farther down the field and you end up in third and 10 and we're not going to throw a slant in third and 10, you know? Um, and then screen game. I mean, you have them, you kind of have them sprinkled in there. Uh, a lot of that time it's, it's really based on what the defense does. I, I think back against uh, New Mexico state uh, when we played them there in 2019 coach freezes first year, they were blitzing after every first first down in the game. So we are on offense. We get a first down. That next play, they're blitzing. So I'm up in the box. And I'm keeping track of all this stuff. And I'm telling them, hey, they're blitzing after the first first down in the series. And sure enough, we caught them. And that was the pass that Buck threw to J-Mac. J-Mac ran all the way down the field. It was kind of in late in the game, and it was a huge play for us. So – you're trying to like figure out what they're doing on defense to when they're blitzing to kind of sprinkle in uh, those, those plays. So, I mean, it's not just you throw, you call a screen uh, because even if it's man coverage, that linebacker who's covering that, that running back is just going to mirror him, mirror him, mirror him, and then take off and go tackle him. Exactly what Mike Smith did against Gardner Webb. He killed that guy on the screen early on in the game because it was man defense. He just followed him. He read it and just took off and just obliterated the guy. So, you know, their their strategy when it comes to when you call these things, do we have them in the offense? Yeah, for sure. But it's just a matter of when you call them and hitting them at the right time. And what was the third one? Swing passes. Yeah, we, we've done that a lot. Look at the touchdown we had ODU to Day-Day. You know, we throw it out there in, in the in the flat to him, uh, throw him in motion, throw it behind the line of scrimmage. Guys are blocking, and we take off. We did a lot with Malik. Um but uh, yeah, I mean, we have it in the offense. Just a matter of getting it, getting it called at the right time. And um, yeah, I think it's just it's part of it. You know, it's a part of playing Monday morning quarterback and saying we should have done this and we should have done that. And Freeze does that too. I mean, he watches the film, and yeah, you know, there's probably situations that he wishes you'd have called something differently. But we're right. six and one, Chad. We are six and one. We're six I and one. All right, so uh, Coach Freeze, if you are watching this, I sit up in section uh, two hundred eight. <laughs> And I will be giving you this is slant. This okay, is there you swing, go. Nice. Uh, this is screen. Okay, freeze. Mm. You got that. Just listen to the play call expert up here and, and we'll be good. Actually, don't do any of that. Uh, I don't want the pressure of all of that. That seems seems crazy. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Uh, uh, we are going to call an audible here and bring in main man John Manson. He's going to join us. Uh, Mitch uh, uh, Harper might be running a few minutes late. He had an interview, a BYU player. So we're going to bring in John Manson real quick and we got a couple of questions for John uh so yeah let's hit it bring on John main man uh how's it going good what's up Chad how's it going good I uh I we're going me and uh, Kyle are going to talk to Mitch here in a little bit. I appreciate you jumping on a little bit early. Mitch was finishing up with a uh, with a player interview. All right. We got a lot to get to, John. I've been at work uh, uh, out of town for work this last couple of days, and uh, my phone just keeps blowing up. I can't keep up with Twitter. I can't keep up with all the messages. Uh, I do know a couple debates that I want to get your opinion on. Uh, right now, first of all, I know that you tweeted out about the attendance, okay? And and Kyle and I talked about it a little bit. Uh, is it okay for you and I have a disagreement right now? Sure. 
Why do you keep putting the, oh man, why do you keep putting the FCS numbers in those stats? I call you out every time on it and we always talk about it. Why do you keep mingling to the two together? Is that like a part of our history that like, hey, we counted this. So we got it. We got to go with it in the stats numbers or, or are you just trying to prove a point or, or do you not see the value in separating them? Why do we disagree on this so much? And why am I so why am I yelling? I don't know why you're yelling either, but uh, you need to take that up with Todd Wetmore, Liberty Football SID. I just got it straight from him. He puts that in the game notes each and every day. So you're you're mad at the wrong guy. But um, but no, those are just the uh, the stats that I mean, that's the official attendance records for Liberty Football. And it's the same thing for any other type of record, you know, uh, um I guess Buckshot owns the career passing numbers, but but some like Rashad Jennings might. I'm sure he holds some records for for rushing and things like that. Those are FCS records, but they're still Liberty School records. So we, we don't uh, distinguish between FCS or FBS and those. And and I get what you're saying. Um, and and uh, yes, I agree that uh, you know that Montana game back then. That was when the capacity at Williams Stadium was nineteen thousand. So do I think 22 was actually there? I'm not sure we actually got that many. I was at that game. It was an amazing atmosphere, amazing crowd. It was packed. I mean, you couldn't find a seat. Um, so it, I do think we were over 19. Um, but do do I think there was probably more there for Gardner-Webb this past Saturday? Possibly so. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I get it. But at, at the end of the day, kind of what Kyle was just saying is uh, – you know, by the end of this season, I think there'll be two more numbers that are in the one and two spot that, that takes us place here. And we'll have four of the top uh, 10 or 11 attended games of all time from this past season. So, um, you know, it, it is what it is. But but, you know, I, I don't think we should throw out the uh, the 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 baby with the bathwater for for FCS records or anything like that. The what with the what? You never heard that saying? Throw out the baby no. with the bathwater? No, I haven't. All right. Another thing that we – I don't know if we're going to disagree on this one. We might be on the same page. I don't know. But BYU's coming to town. We have the vision of Dr. Falwell, which, you know, as a Liberty fan, is really special to us. We have the religious institution kind of mutual respect with BYU. We have – the, they would be the first P5 program that we would be in Williams Stadium – we have going to seven and one. We have a lot riding on this game. Uh, <clears throat> you and I have been talking about carrying the goalpost down to the James River. I want to know, first of all, I'm not going to be storming the field. Okay, I'm too old. I, I have kids with me. I would get trampled and and all of that just would not be good. I, I don't know if I could make the jump over the wall, to be honest with you, without breaking a leg. John, uh, should – all right. I'm just going to ask you, should we storm the field? Will you be storming the field if we beat BYU? Are you and I just having a lot of fun on Twitter? You tell me. Well, that's the whole thing. I, when was that, Sunday or Monday? Uh, and it, it came from all the, the stuff that went on in Knoxville with Tennessee beating Alabama and them storming the field and carrying the goalpost out and throwing them into the, rock, the river there, I guess, is what they did. And uh, you tweeted out something about, you know, oh, we'll do it too. And I was like, yeah, I'll do it too. I mean, it was kind of just a joke. Um halfway serious but also joking and here we are three days later and all of liberty twitter is going crazy about it but uh um in my opinion like storming a field shouldn't be a planned event like it should happen naturally right i mean it's not like 
okay, if we win Saturday, we're going to all get in a group together and let's go run on the field. Like that's kind of cheesy and, and kind of dorky and shouldn't be done. But, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, if, if, it, if the moment leads you there, not to get all romantic, but if the moment leads you there, then sure, go ahead and storm the field. And, and do I think that this game is a game that could possibly uh, lead to that? Sure. But again, Liberty's a seven point or six and a half point or whatever the line is. We'll get Richie in here in a little while to tell us exactly what it is, but it's an underdog. So, um, and the way the offense has played the past couple weeks, I'm, I don't think we should be worrying about storming the field so much. We should be more worried about can we score enough points to keep up with BYU and, and that offense that can score points. You know, they scored 35 against the SEC defense last week. Yeah. And, and let me add into what you just said about it. Uh, being a natural event, not planned out. It should be a natural, not planned out event by the students, not by you and I. I mean, if they do it, I'll jump in with them possibly. You know, if if somebody can help me down, uh, uh, help me down onto the field, you know, I would probably join in. But at the same time, I'm not going to be leading that effort because I'm 37 years old and have, you know, have, uh, I have to make it to work on Monday morning. And so, anyways, I'm glad and we're. On I also, the same page. also think, also think that Liberty's fan base and student base is not the type of group that's going to jump up on the goalposts and tear them down. Like, I just don't see Liberty fans, Liberty students doing that. Yeah, John, you and I are on the same page, which is beautiful because we haven't talked about this at all, and I, I'm glad we're on the same page with this. All right, uh, BYU uh, coming to town. Uh, quarterback situation let's talk about the quarterback situation um you know you were at practice you know where do we stand do we know do we know what's what's going on with quarterbacks uh and by the way all right let me tell let me tell travis if we pull the win against BYU, i may trample my own kids and travis also is bringing his kids with him onto the field let me just say that my kids and travis's kids had a little bit of a tackle football game in the same berm last week and travis's kids straight up deboed my kids they're a lot older and we're like it, it had to go separate i was like so many personal fouls in that game uh horse collar tackles so travis you got a couple of little tough tough guys over there um all right. And uh, all right, Will. OK. All right, uh, John, the question is about BYU and the quarterback situation this Saturday. Charlie, uh, what is he looking like? What do you think his status is? Uh, you know, not from just from just from, you know, we were told when he got injured week one, we were told what, five to seven weeks for a broken hand in his throwing um, broken bone in his throwing hand. Where where do we land with him? And then Salter. What are, what are your feelings, without giving away too much of what you're seeing in practice, what are your feelings this weekend? What would you do if you were coach, all that kind of thing? Well, we can jump into that in a second, but we're getting a lot of questions about your outfit tonight. Is Do you have a shirt on? Can I even ask that? Uh, yes. Yes, I do have a shirt on. If I didn't have a shirt on, uh, yes. Yes, this is a shirt. It is uh, from Old Navy's Odd Fellows. Uh, we are rocking the mullet. Any other fashion questions from chat tonight? I, I I just came in here angry. I don't know why. John, what is our quarterback situation <laughs> headed into this weekend? Uh, yeah, yeah. Let me try to transition back into that. So, um, yeah, I mean, Salter and, and Brewer have been injured and uh, haven't played the last few weeks. Obviously, Brewer hasn't played since week one with the broken hand slash thumb in his right hand. He did get those 
pins removed and his cast taken off, uh, I guess, about two weeks ago tomorrow, two weeks ago on Wednesday. And, uh, you know, last week he was at practice. Last Tuesday when I was there, he was at practice and and uh, was throwing the ball and, and had, I don't know if you call it a bandage or an ace wrap or something that was on his hand. And you could tell he just wasn't comfortable, kept looking at it, uh, you know, the ball that he was throwing didn't look very crisp and, and wasn't popping like it typically would for a D1 quarterback and a, and a guy with the talent that he has. Um, so you could just tell he wasn't right. So I, I wasn't sure if he'd be ready to play last week, and obviously he wasn't. Um, now this morning was a little bit different. He didn't have a bandage or, or wrap or whatever you want to call it, or it wasn't taped. I don't know what it was that he had last week. That wasn't like that this week, uh, this morning. And he also was throwing the ball down the field. Um, last week, he was just throwing 10 and 15 yard passes. This this morning, he was you know throwing 40 and 50 yard passes. And it looked a lot better. I'm not going to say he was 100% because I don't think he was. And plus, I haven't gotten a chance to see him throw a lot of live reps at 100% uh, with him being out the last, you know, several weeks. But but yeah, I mean, I, and Salter is, you know, I, he wasn't at practice this morning. I don't envision him being ready to play uh, this week. But, uh, but yeah, I do think Brewer... Um, is trending towards playing. Of course, you know, I'm not at practice every day and and not in team meetings or anything like that. But I would if, if it was up to me, and this is not any inside information. I think he's going to play Saturday. I could be wrong, of course, but but I think he's going to play Saturday. Um, and I, I think you kind of need to play him. I mean, if he's you know, if the doctors have cleared him, if he's comfortable and is able to throw a ball down the field, which it looked like you could this morning. Then if I'm Hugh Freeze, I'm I'm rolling with uh, with Charlie Brewer, the guy who's your starter uh, in the preseason, and uh, the guy that gives you the best chance to win. Worst case scenario, he goes out there for a couple series, you realize he's not quite ready, he can't do it, and you you real quick uh, throw that audible in there and go to uh, to Jonathan Bennett, JB, and and see what you can do. But yeah, I think. Um, Charlie gives you a chance to uh, have this offense take that next step, the next leap that you really need to be um, competitive and, and be able to knock off a, a BYU team. So uh, let's talk about attendance. Kyle just said a minute ago that he was going to be giving away some swag. <clears throat> so I guess uh, maybe mine and your guesses don't count, but uh, you don't have to give us your prediction. But I have some questions about attendance. What is uh, the what is the stadium capacity right now? I know they're selling berm tickets, which we've never done before. Uh, my kids have always just gone to the berm for free with their Flames Club pass. Uh, but this week, you actually have to have a ticket to get inside of one of the berms. You can't just go in there as like a, a, a general admission kind of area. So I know they're selling those tickets. They got the cabanas added in. Uh, where do we stand on uh, full capacity? Let's say we sold every single seat. Uh, where would we land on full capacity? Yeah, the listed capacity is at 25,000 right now. And, you know, I've seen some people talking about it. It's not officially a sellout. I mean, Liberty's still selling some tickets today. You mentioned the berm tickets. They're still selling tickets, so it's not officially a sellout. And it also depends on how many students show up because I know they have a bucket of of seats or tickets, if you want to call it that, for uh, allotted for uh, for students. So um, it's not officially a sellout. I do expect it to become a sellout, whether that is today, tomorrow, uh, Friday, or, or Saturday, right before the game. 
uh, starts. But but no, it's not officially sell out. But yes, I do that that number of twenty two some odd thousand that that we had for Montana. I expect that to be broken. I expect us to to be up twenty four twenty five thousand in that range would be my prediction. I'm not sure we'll get much over that. But yeah, they're selling berm tickets, which actually the berm tickets wouldn't be included in that 25,000 capacity number. That's just overflow. So we could go over the 25,000 depending on if everybody that shows up that, that bought a, that has bought a ticket. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think we'll we'll set a new record uh, Saturday weather provided. It, it looks looks like it's going to be good as of right now. Last one is about what you got planned for this week. Anything cool that you've got planned for BYU specific? I know, you know, we have the vision uh, story kind of writes itself. We have the, you know, the attendance record, all that kind of stuff. Are you covering any of that? Any, any stories that you've got planned for just specific BYU that I may have missed? I'm sorry. I'm on vacation. So if you've already released them, I'm not on vacation. I'm working uh, out of town. So if you have already released them, I apologize. What do you have special this week on a sea of red specific to BYU and this kind of, uh, it's really special game to our alumni. Sure. I mean, it, it is a very special game. I mean, this is probably the only time that we may ever see in our lifetime Liberty playing Notre Dame or BYU at home at Williams Stadium. I mean, I, I could be wrong, but, you know, the way things are going with Liberty going to Conference USA, BYU going to the Big 12, those two teams aren't going to play again anytime soon. They might meet in a bowl game. I don't envision Notre Dame maybe ever coming to Williams Stadium. Hopefully we get a chance to play up in South Bend at some point in time. But so, yeah, this game means as as much as any game could ever mean for Liberty, not to mention uh, the other stuff riding on the game. Liberty being six and one, a win and getting to seven and one with their only loss being against a top 15 Wake Forest team by one point should catapult them into the top 25. So you got that riding on it as well. Um, it, it's the biggest game, biggest home game in school history. No questions asked. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it, it's a huge game for us and, and for Liberty, just what it means. But, but yeah, um, to answer your question, um, I've got an article coming out probably Thursday um, where we just kind of look at what this game means to Liberty as a school. Um, you know, as the the school has grown from from being a, a small you know, Baptist Bible college to, to being a, you know, world-class university that competes at the top uh, level in everything, including athletics, including football. And, and it's amazing uh, the path that this, this school has taken and the athletic department has taken over the past four and five years. And uh, even going back further than that, but, but really has grown leaps and bounds the past, you know, handful of years under uh, Ian McCall's leadership at AD and under Hugh Freeze at, as football coach. And, and so we'll be diving into that. Freeze gave a lot of good uh, comments in his uh, press conference on Monday, kind of talking about it. So um, that's one of the main things I, I got going out. And, you know, I, if you if you haven't had the time to, to take a few minutes and just to go out and go on YouTube, go on Google and just Google and search uh, Dr. Derry Falwell Sr.'s um, comments and, and quotes on, on his vision for Liberty University, uh, as a school, as an athletic department, and hear what he had to say 20 and 30 years ago and what what he talked about BYU and Notre Dame about, and that, that'll give you a little bit of an idea as to what this game means. If you're a newer student, newer fan that, that haven't been, that wasn't around when, when uh, Jerry Sr. was, um, you know, I went back and listened to some of those over the past week, past few days, and 
and uh, kind of got me amped up. And and I've texted some of that to you, Chad. Uh, man, I, I can't wait for uh, for Saturday afternoon. I can't wait. And I've thought about this in the last couple of days too. Is I can't wait till Saturday, going out into w- Williams Stadium, standing out in the in the stadium, and just kind of taking it all in and realizing that this school that was just founded in 1971 when BYU and Notre Dame were founded back in, you know, the 1800s, uh, maybe even before that, I don't even know, but uh, yeah, I guess the 1800s, the, uh, this school, Liberty university founded just 50 years ago, um, will be playing BYU and have 20,000 plus people in attendance and, and just to just sit there and just take it in and just realize what this moment means uh, you know, for Liberty University in its history. Amazing. I appreciate that perspective, John. I know that we've uh, we've been been a, come a long way, and this game is kind of a culmination of that. Uh, you know, and to be only a six and a half, six point underdog, whatever we are, to have a chance to be top twenty five, it's a great opportunity. But what I'm looking most uh, forward to most is seeing Williams Stadium and, and the fans and how they've kind of grown and became become more engaged all right john i appreciate the time we'll see you saturday good luck uh, we'll be checking out everything you're doing to see if read all the articles looking forward to it if i haven't read them yet i will and uh have a good have a good night and we'll see you saturday sounds good go flames all right let's bring back in kyle DeArmond and uh let's talk about byu uh, i'm not sure if mitch is going to be able to join us tonight i haven't heard from him he confirmed earlier today that he would, um, but I know he was had some interviews going on later tonight after, with BYU, so he might not be joining us. Uh, Kyle, looking at BYU's schedule real quick, they've lost three games. Uh, they're four and three. They've lost to Oregon. They lost to Arkansas, and they lost by eight points to Notre Dame. All three pretty good teams. Um, how good, just by looking at their, their record, and I'm sure you've watched them play a game or two, how good is this team, and uh, what are they better than a four and three record? I mean, I think I think Freeze even alluded to they're a top twenty-five team in the country in terms of uh, in terms of how good the team is. Yeah, I mean, I think that they're definitely, without a doubt, the best team that we have played. Um, you know, I think what makes BYU special is the depth that they have. Um, you know, you look at their. Uh, I was reading over the game notes and and saw that they have played thirty-eight. Well, actually. They've played more than 38, but they have 38 players who have recorded a tackle on defense. I mean, that that is over three deep. I mean, so you talk about the depth that peep that they have. I mean, that's what separates them. Now, to add on to the depth, they have playmakers like Cody Epps, who is a baller at wide receiver and making plays. Um, Isaac Rex, a tight end, huge freak tight end. Um, and then... I mean, they just have playmakers all over the field. Back to the defense, Max Tooley, which I was going to ask Mitch about this linebacker for them, who has two pick, three pick, three interceptions on the year, two pick sixes. He leads the team in tackles. Um, he's just a freak, and the defensive line is strong. I mean, so their depth, they're they're deep. They have playmakers. They can play a lot of people on defense. Quarterback's really good. Chris Brooks, the running back, is physical. He's going to run through and try to break your face mask. Um, so it's a task. I mean, they're definitely the best team that we've played. Um, I mean, you can look back at when we played them, you know, in 2019. They're definitely better than than that team. Um, and uh, we did compete with them, which was which was great. You know, we had a chance there at the end of the game. But 
it's going to be a tough task for our guys. I'm looking forward to watching them. I'll be there in person and looking forward to, to seeing how they do. But I think BYU is easily the best team that we've played. I'm looking forward to seeing us compete against them. And we know that they will. I mean, our guys are going to step up to the challenge and, and uh, compete every down. So. So what is it about BYU and their mission that they have and the age average age of their roster always seems to be like one of the oldest in the in in NCAA? Uh, do we expect an older, more mature roster? I know Freeze has alluded to it uh, several times. Uh, the last time we played them in 2019 and then again this week is they are grown men. Uh, is that really uh, an impact for their program when they can do that, where they have 25, 26 year olds versus playing against 21, 22 year olds uh, because of that. Is that really an impact from your perspective? Uh, yeah, I would definitely say so. I just remember the the sheer size of them uh, when their offensive line was massive. I mean, like I've seen some NFL offensive lines and these guys were every bit as big as they were um, defensive linemen, just huge. Um, you know, I think where they have lacked in talent over the years is probably, uh, like their speed of their secondary and kind of, you've seen them get exposed against Arkansas and, you know, them being cover three and the defense coordinator actually talked about it, Chad, you and I were talking about it, uh, off air, but he kind of, he kind of went in on, on them kind of busting coverages and, and lining up on some touchdowns, but they've kind of lacked in their speed in the secondary. That's kind of where they've gotten beat the front seven offensive line and defensive line and the linebackers. I think they're, they're, you know, as good as anybody. Uh, the secondary is where I feel like we can exploit them. Uh, DeMario Douglas, I think he can have a big day. We got to find ways to get him the football, get him the football early. There should be no reason why he doesn't touch the football in the first series. Um, him and day day have to have to win this game, win this game for us. Um, and, and Shadro and, and just their playmaking, playmaking ability. So I think that definitely the best team to ever play in Williams Stadium, for sure. I think it's no doubt about that. Yeah, and and, and not only their 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 team, I'm uh, excited to see, you, know, you never want your stadium overtaken by opposing fans, but at the G5 level where we're at, it's kind of cool to see some opposing fans. I mean, we've had, uh, you know, some – some teams that have brought in a few number of fans, but nothing that's like army brought in a good number last year, but uh, you know, BYU, it's going to be fun to have some, some opposing fans there actually. I mean, I don't want any type of takeover situation, but you get what I'm saying. It's going to be kind of a cool environment to have some actual opposing fans in good number there, I think on, on Saturday. Okay. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about those comments their defensive coordinator made. He, basically, he went on uh, interview there with their with their uh, show they do um, produced by BYU, and he basically said, even when they were dropping eight, which I guess is only means rushing three, they were dropping eight guys no, in coverage. Good. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so they were dropping. Well, you could have a spy or something, right? I mean, all right. So they were dropping eight, and he said they were in cover three which is cover three, pretty much cover three. Do you ever run cover four in college football? He was basically saying cover three was there. Hey, don't get beat over the top. We have three guys back here and we are still in Arkansas, is still running past us and we are still, still blowing coverage. Is that what he meant by that? Is like, Hey, we were playing just uh, interpret that for me. Was he's basically saying we were playing basically our prevent pass defense and they were still able to, to go over the top on us. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you mentioned cover four, cover four is, is a, you know, 
a run defense kind of, you know, the safeties fit hard and into the run fits anything, the second receiver vertical, the safety would take. Um, So when you go cover three, the safety, the deep safety and the corners have zero run fit responsibility. They're not the edge of the defense. They have zero run fit. Their responsibility is to get their tail back as far as they can and keep everything in front of them and don't get beat over the top. So when you give up a touchdown and you're playing cover three, and you either get the safety beat over his head or you get the corners run by, that's that's frustrating. And that's kind of goes back to what I was saying is we got to be able to exploit that because those guys aren't as athletic as some of the corners that we've played. They're probably not as athletic as Wake or um, you know some of the Power 5 teams that we've played. So got to exploit that and try to run by those guys. And, um, you know, I know that Coach Freeze is going to draw up some, some plays to be able to do that. But that is what that means when he talked about cover three getting beat um so uh great explanation and i i didn't know that about cover four honestly i'm I'm glad i asked that question all right last one here is about the game it's more about a, a technique we're hearing a lot from josh aldridge and, and that group they have uh, come up with a saying got to get those with tips and i forget what the other one was but uh as a wide receiver yourself and former wide receiver coach and all that Whenever you can't catch the ball or make a play on the ball, I've always wondered this. Let's say it's a let's say it's a throw behind you or um, too high. Uh, do you try to make the catch at all costs, even if you even if like let's say you have a five percent chance of catching it, ten percent chance of catching it, do you still make that effort to catch it, knowing that if you don't catch it, you're tipping it and leaving it in the air a little bit longer for the defense? I, I don't know how many we've had this year where we've uh, given up takeaways on tipped throws, but just watching college football as much as I do, I feel like a lot of interceptions are because guys are trying to make a play on a ball when they really don't have any business trying to make a play on a ball. I want to know, is that a coach thing or is it like, Hey, yeah, you try to catch the ball a hundred percent of the time. Tips are going to happen occasionally uh, on poor throwing balls or whatever, but you never give up on it and just say, Hey, that's out of my reach. I can't get it. Is that kind of, I want to know. I don't I honestly have no idea. Yeah. I would say you always try to catch the football. I mean, you, you, you never, never not try to catch it. Um, you think about it. If you were like, well, I don't think I could have caught it. That's, that's not going to go over well when you come back or if the ball's a little bit behind you, you know, the thing is, is with those, even with the tips, uh, somebody might be the safety or somebody might be behind you being like, oh, this ball's overthrown. I'm going to catch it. And then the receiver jumps up and tips it. And then it, it completely adjusts the way that the ball is is coming. And so those are obviously harder to catch just in general. The tips are. So now, I mean, you always try to catch the football. Our guys have done a great job about getting that. The other thing, our guys, our defense has done a good job about getting their hands up. Our, our linebackers try to jump up and tip balls. Uh, our D linemen, you can see them. They're tipping a lot of footballs. They're getting their hands up. And then um, our safeties and, and corners too. They're just trying to get their hand on a football to just get it up in the air. You know, they're they're just trying to continue to keep that football alive. And uh, it's been a point of emphasis all year for our defense, and it's shown because we've been able to get those turnovers. We have to get a couple of them this weekend for sure. We got to get the football, and then we got to protect the football. I all think right. in order for us to win, that's what we got to do. All right, we got with us Mitch Harper. We're going to bring in Mitch now. We are going to ask him a couple of questions. Mitch, thanks for joining us, man. Uh, I know you've had a busy night. Uh, you do a lot and uh, love following you. I've been following you for, uh, oh, man, a long time now. And I love – I've been following BYU basketball, BYU football. You do a great job. So thanks for joining us. 
Um, uh, and let me let me go ahead and get out your handle here and where all where all people can find you. KSL Sports and uh, Cougar Sports Saturday on KSLN News Radio. Mainly Mitch underscore Harper. Find him there on Twitter. And you can see all his stuff. Mitch, thanks for joining us. Uh, quick, uh, we'll get a couple questions in here about BYU and your take on on this program. This means a lot to us, being a religious institution, all that kind of stuff. We go through a lot of the same type of uh, banter that you guys receive on a weekly basis uh, for for our affiliations and that type of thing. Um, does this mean kind of like have you seen this week? There's been kind of a camaraderie where we're saying hey you know uh byu's coming to town it feels like a pretty friendly game so far in terms of just like having that acceptance of each other's uh universities with codes of conduct that most other teams we play don't have to abide by and all that kind of thing uh so what is your take on liberty and does this mean anything to to the fan base from your from your perspective well well, first off chad uh, excited to be on with you likewise uh, i've enjoyed following you and and the liberty program i think this is a uh this is a great game. I think it's a great matchup. You know, I, I don't, I don't think the pulse of, uh, you know, maybe BYU fans are uh, putting as much respect onto this matchup. But uh, you know, when Tom Homo scheduled this series back in 2017, he wanted to help out a, a fellow independent program, but two, uh, a fellow faith-based university. And I think that you know that sort of thing does matter to a place like BYU. And when you note that, you know, the things that Liberty goes through, BYU. Uh, has dealt with as well in terms of, uh, you know, facing uh, issues with conference affiliations and and not being invited due to being a faith-based university. There, there's a lot of similarities. And, you know, BYU once upon a time was was viewed as the most hated team in college football in the early 90s, mainly because they were affiliated with a religion that not many people knew much about. And and then you pair it up with, with the winning. So I think this is a, a very cool matchup. And and me personally, I think that, you know, BYU and Liberty should should re-up again. I, you know, this is not like – I think sometimes BYU fans look at matchups like this and think of uh, maybe UMass or, or Georgia Southern. And, and, again, I'm not putting you guys on that level. I, I've seen Liberty football, and this is a very good program. And, and uh, I think that it's the type of series that I would love to see BYU – uh, have again because I just think that there's a, a great relation relationship here and I think that uh, this will be a good football game coming up on Saturday. Mitch, uh, so I was on staff uh, in 2019. We came out there to Provo and, and played played you guys and man, it was a beautiful. I was just blown away by uh, just how beautiful the campus was, um, how nice the people were. That was kind of the biggest thing to me was just how kind the people were. Uh, but then when the whistle blew, I mean, they were cheering for their team. So they were, they were, you know, treating us with respect, but when that whistle blew, they were, they were definitely cheering for the team. Uh, my question for you, um, talk about Max Tooley and just his kind of rise as a playmaker for BYU and, um, you know, his impact that he seems to have week in and week out for your defense. Max has become a, a very good player for BYU. Uh, you know, he was a heralded recruit coming out. I mean, some recruiting services had him as a as a four star. He came in as a safety, moved up into the box, and you know, not always the most assignment sound guy. Uh, but honestly, this this BYU defense, nothing is sound with this group, and he kind of uh, is highlighted in a defense that really hasn't made many explosive plays this year. He's got two pick sixes. He's also had an interception against Notre Dame. He just 
He's has had an act for making big plays and he lays some big hits too. He, he'll make those plays that'll make the round on social media and, and get the, those viral moments as an all around player. Yeah. There's still room for him uh, to improve, but I do think at through seven games, uh, you know, he's been the best player for BYU and uh, on the defensive side. And it might not be saying much because, uh, you know, coming into this week, guys, the, the storyline around here is that BYU fans, they want change bad. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the uh, the presser from Kalani Satake, the the media, the the focus out here has been making change at, at, at some sort of changes. And I expect that there will be uh, some sort of changes. What does that look like? Does Kalani take it over? Uh, does, uh, you know, whatever that is. I mean, I asked Kalani that after the Arkansas loss and, uh, you know, he's done it before back in 2019, just weeks before the Liberty game, he stepped in when they were two and four, took over the defense and they beat number 14 Boise State. So there's a history there uh, with BYU having Kalani step in. So maybe that happens this week. We'll see. But uh, uh, defense is definitely a big storyline. And, and Max Tooley has got to play great in order for BYU to show well on that side of the ball. Yeah, I want to talk to you about the D.C. Uh, defensive coordinator's comments. Uh, I, I forget where it was, but this weekend uh, or this past week after Arkansas, basically, Colin and I talked about it a little bit. But he was talking about how basically, hey, I'm dropping eight guys. I'm playing our pass prevent, and they're still running right by us. Uh, is that one, is that like, you know, is that pretty typical for uh, the defensive coordinator to come out and kind of and, and say that? Like, hey, we're doing what we can, but our players have to execute. And second, is that a, a struggle that BYU has had this year is uh, just the speed in the secondary or, or kind of just getting uh, blown coverages like that by, you know, what would be considered a speedy receiver? It was a surprising comment uh, that Tuiaki said. He, he said that to, and it was an in-house media outlet at, at BYU. BYU has its own uh, broadcasting company. So that made it even more interesting to kind of put his players on blast like that and uh, on, on a BYU-owned uh, media entity. I think that, you know, BYU's defense, uh, you know, I think it's the biggest issues to me have been the scheme, from my personal opinion. I think BYU's got enough talent. I think on the defensive line, there's, there's a few players that stand out, uh, but there's not enough depth there. Uh, you know, they returned a ton of experience on that spot, uh, but that is one area where, uh, you know, th they could improve as they get ready to go to the Big 12. I mean, the linebackers are sound. I think the, the cornerbacks are pretty good. Uh, you know, Vanderbilt transfer Gabe Judy Lally and Oregon State transfer Caleb Hayes, solid. And they've had an emerging star in Micah Harper, number one. Uh, he's a name to keep an eye on. He's a guy that uh, by season's end uh, could lay claim as one of the best players right there with Max Tooley uh, on the defensive side. You know, a guy to keep an eye on, too, uh, you know, will be, uh, you know, Keenan Peely. He's a Mike linebacker, he, number 41. He's someone that, uh, you know, kind of racks up the tackles. But uh, we talked to him earlier today at practice, and and he heard of, uh, you know, Hugh Freeze's uh, video, what he said to the team about how this is, you know, the, the biggest game in Liberty's history, and, and BYU wants to match that intensity. So we'll see coming up on Saturday afternoon. Mitch, uh, let's move over to the offense real quick. Um, talk about those guys, um, Cody Epps, and uh, just the addition uh, of him, and, and really him stepping up and making plays this year. And because it really seems like the offense is just, you know, they've they've had some struggles, just like everybody else, but they've continued to, to make plays and have a handful of playmakers. 
know they've battled injuries and that hasn't been that hasn't helped you guys uh, out. Um, but just talk about the offense and give the Liberty fans some guys to, to look out for and and uh, some guys to keep an eye on. Cody Epps is interesting. It's his third year as as a uh, player at BYU, yet he's still listed as a freshman because That's of that. A, COVID that is year. yeah, that is the hardest thing I'll say that with with mm-hmm. looking at their eight. You know, it's one. You know, is this guy 26 years old as a freshman, you know, married with six kids? I don't I mean, that's, you know, part of it. You know, you always look at their bio and you look at their family, which I love. I mean, I think it's cool. Uh, They should let the players, families travel on the team. Then you guys would have like five planes rolling up here with with all their family. I love it. But yeah, keep going about Cody. Sorry. No, it it is a unique dynamic and how BYU lists these guys on the roster. It's it's. If you're not following it daily, it's it's kind of confusing. But Epps has been around for a while, so it's his third year. He's been dealing with a foot injury in the past, and now he's finally had his breakout season. And, and he was a guy that was a USA Today high school All-American, kind of under-recruited because of his size. He had Bryce Young throwing him the rock in high school, at modern-day high school. And, uh, you know, Bryce Young keeps in touch with him still uh, now. Uh, you know, they, they were talking, you know, after Cody Epps' first touchdown, Bryce Young hit him up. And congratulated Cody on that uh, on that touchdown grab, and and Cody's had a lot more touchdown grabs since then. So uh, he's become a key piece to BYU. Uh, the the star player, of course, is Jaron Hall, quarterback. But his top guy, when healthy, is Puka Nakua. Uh, you, if you watch that Arkansas game, there was a concerted effort by BYU to get him the touches. Whether it was at running back, it was at wide receiver, his typical spot. They want to get Puka Nakua the ball at all costs because. When he gets the rock, he's just that type of player that can make something special happen. His first game this year, the first play on offense, he he took a jet sweep 75 yards for a touchdown. He's dynamic. He's explosive. He's kind of a kind of a carefree uh, personality. He's, he's interesting uh, that way. And he's he's it, whenever he gets tackled, I think the BYU fans are holding their collective breath because he's he's dealt with a lot of injuries, but he's healthier than he's ever been this season, and uh, he should be good to go. Of course. On Saturday, uh, the running back situation is interesting. Chris Brooks, a Cal grad transfer, he's probably their number one guy, but he's been, you know, underperforming to this point of the year. And and I think that, uh, I think that he deserves a bigger share of carries. But for whatever reason, uh, you know, BYU coaches have not given him this workload, uh, you know, type of uh, you know share of, of carries that uh, maybe I expected him to get. BYU will have two additional running backs coming back this week. Number 19, Miles Davis. Uh, he, like Cody Epps, a third-year freshman. Uh, he's been around a bit. He's coming back from an injury. And then Lopini Katoa, a guy that has – he – here's an interesting thing. You, you bring about you know some of the older guys. Lopini Katoa, who will be back next this week, number four, he committed to Kalani Satake when Kalani Satake was – at Oregon State, and that was back in 2015. It's now 2022, and uh, he's followed him all the way to uh, – That's cheating. To that is yes. cheating. That's cheating. We're, we're yes. cheating over there. You guys You guys are just a bunch of cheaters. Come now, on. How's that even now, possible? Let me, say, <laughs> let me say, though, because these missions for BYU, these, these Latter-day Saint missions, they are they are not easy. They're, they're, they're taking, you know, two years to – to not have any sort of weight training program, but but they are mature. I mean, these are yeah. We're very lucky covering BYU because we get uh, you know some great interviews with these guys because it just it helps. You know, you're you're talking and, and spreading the word of of uh, you know the the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints and and uh, 
So it just makes these guys, you know, very well spoken and there's a maturity sense. But it is funny when you break it down like that. I mean, BYU, heck, they've got a, a guy that uh, signed with BYU in 2014 when Bronco Mendenhall was the head coach. That's that number was, 91. I, that was, I was going to ask that. Who's the oldest player on BYU's team? Yeah, that's Earl Tuioti Mariner, number 91. He'll play. He'll play off the edge a little bit. And uh, uh, he, he took advantage of the COVID year. But, yeah, he signed in 2014. So he's roughly about uh, 26 years old now. So <laughs> quite interesting seeing yeah. that in college yeah. football. Yeah, that does bring an interesting dynamic. I want to know, you mentioned a little bit about – the fans may be underestimating Liberty. Uh, you have, uh, you know, been following along, of course, and uh, covering the team. What is, so you would say the fans are kind of underestimating this game. How How has the coaching staff been talking this week? Players been talking this week? Uh, do they know or do they expect a challenge? Uh, you know, the line came out and they're only a six and a half point favorite in, in Lynchburg. Uh, you know, how are they addressing the game and, and treating this game uh, on the road? I know, I mean, you guys have a gauntlet of a season, so a, a trip to Lynchburg almost feels like a, a little bit different than what you've been experiencing recently. But how are they approaching this game? I, I, are, is it different than what the fans are doing? The, the fans, too, just to add on that is I think they're underestimating that the excitement level isn't as high as what it is for maybe a, a Notre Dame or a or a Baylor, I think just they're, they're getting caught up in the logo on the helmet. I think they, they're they almost skeptical that BYU will win because they're so low on this defense. They think anyone will just pop off for a 500-yard day uh, on BYU's defense. I just, I just don't think they're respecting enough. They're getting caught up in, in names and logos far too much, what we see all the time in college football. The team, I think, is very excited to get back on the field and, uh, you know, kind of get revenge for or not revenge but uh you know get back on the winning side of things after two straight losses Notre Dame was a game that was a missed opportunity I mean that Notre Dame's not a good football team and and BYU uh just played poorly in, in that game in so many ways and and uh that was a real missed one uh Arkansas you know the defense was historically bad and I think they're just trying to get that bad taste out of their mouth so I think they're excited and and I think you know BYU has one of the coaches on their staff Daryl Funk an offensive line coach. He's been kind of a journeyman coach in, in college football. He's had experience uh, once coaching at Liberty uh, in one of his various stops in his coaching career. And he even noted that, uh, you know, it's a, it's a pretty cool setting. It's a cool stadium. And he's let, relayed that message to the team. So uh, I, I think that the players are expecting, though, uh, uh, quite the atmosphere. And I think the message of, of this being such a historic game, living out the vision uh, for Liberty is is got to be why use locker room and they know that they got to match the intensity because Liberty's going to bring it. Last question for you, Mitch. Give us your prediction. What do you got on Saturday? Man, th this usually I have a good feel. I I, I feel like uh, with this BYU team, you know, I, I I called it with Oregon. I called it with uh, the Baylor game and and uh, even Notre Dame. I you know I, I feel like I got a pretty good vibe with with this group, but I'll tell you this defense, it's hard to pin. You know, I will say though, I think that BYU, we didn't talk about him enough. Jaron Hall is spectacular. He's a great quarterback. You know, I, I BYU is known for uh, great quarterback play and, through their history. And to me, I put Jaron Hall in my, in my personal ranking of the great quarterbacks of BYU history right there in that, you know, top five, top six. And you're talking about names wow. of, 
tight at Murr, Jim McMahon. I think Jaron Hall is the whole package, and I think he's going to have uh, a bright future in the NFL, whether that's second round, late first. I don't know where he ends up going, but Jaron Hall's fantastic. And, and I, I know this Liberty defense is one of the best in the nation. So I'm very excited to see this matchup. Uh, I think BYU, because of Jaron, they're not going to design any sort of runs for him. He's going to be a pass first guy. Uh, so if he does run, it's going to be scrambling. Uh, but I think Jaron will put will give BYU enough to to win this game. I'll say it's close, though. I think this is going to be a game that comes down to the wire, and I think Jaron Hall gives BYU the the edge late. But I wouldn't be surprised if Liberty's up and BYU has to mount to come back. I think it's going to be a really good football game, and I think it's going to come down to the wire. Hey, that was an awesome segue here. But first, before we get into that, Mitch, Really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, love love your coverage of BYU. And uh, are you going to be making the trip? Sadly, I'm not. And I'm, I'm bummed. This is the one game I'm not going to this season. Um, I, I was trying to get my bosses to make a late uh, push to get me to Lynchburg. But uh, I will be covering uh, the game remotely. But uh, I, I wish I could get out there one of these days. I'll, I would love to, to see Lynchburg in person. Yeah, hopefully awesome. we can re-up, that, uh, re-up the contract and, and uh, get you back out here. Yeah, that sounds good. good. And also, Kyle, thank you for your time, man. You're the man for doing this. Uh, so we it. got we got Mitch's prediction there from BYU. Mitch, this next segment we have coming up, uh, you might want to tell all your BYU uh, followers to stop watching right now. This guy, this next guy, uh, he he is a little bit of a loose cannon, and uh, but we will go ahead and bring him in. It's called the Liberty Line, and he will give his predictions for the game this weekend, but also. Uh, other picks around college football against the spread. So without further ado, I hope he's on his best behavior tonight. Let's uh, bring in Richie Longshots. Oh, there you go. There goes producer Nick. Uh, hey, you don't even have playoff baseball to be watching tonight to, to kind of. Uh... All right. Anyways, Richie Longshots, good to see you, buddy. Yeah, what's uh, up, Chad? What, I a, have been... what, a, what a real quiet day on Liberty Twitter, you know? <laughs> yeah, I've uh, been working a little bit today and haven't been checking it much, but I've been getting messages like, hey, come get your boy Richie. What's he doing? All that kind of stuff. So I'm not even going to ask you to explain yourself there. We're going to move on and pretend like neither, none of it ever happened, to be honest with you. I will get your take. Should we storm the field? That was my question, and producer Nick put it up as I was asking the question, should you storm the field this weekend? Uh, well, what in the heck am I seeing here? What is this? Very simple. We're going to work top to bottom. Should you storm the field? Question one, did we win the game? The answer is no. No, don't storm the field. We're a bunch of losers. Is it still going on? No. But if you did storm the field while the game is going on, it would be funny. I am not going to condone streaking or storming the field or anything like that. But I'm just being honest when I put that out. Is the game going on? storm the field probably not you probably get some reps get some fines we move on to yes should you storm the field yes great we're gonna ask a couple questions uh two things i saw tennessee do it so i'm gonna storm the field too 
that's not a good reason. Tennessee does a lot of things that Liberty students shouldn't do. Doesn't mean that we should storm the field as well. They beat Alabama. We might beat BYU. Second option, make it a little bit bigger. Uh, if you're screaming around BYU, vision, loud noises, Jesus juice, no, not a good enough reason to storm the field. <laughs> so, as you say, stay in the stands. Don't make everyone look bad nationally. Last thing we need right now is any bad publicity and people laughing at Liberty for storming the field against a four and three. <sighs> we should have previewed team. this, Nick. We should have previewed this. I keep it going. What's the last two here? Last two. The last two are positives. Bigger Nick. There we go. We beat a team that is ranked higher than us. This case, BYU, not ranked higher than us. But if they were, storm the field. And last but not least, hold on, Powell. Uh, we won the game at literally the last second. If we win this game this weekend on a two-point conversion, a made field goal, a Hail Mary, or we stop them on a for, uh, you know uh, goal to go with two seconds left, storm the field. That is, I am all in on that. And at the end of the day, it comes back to the text on the, on the right. If you don't know what to do, ask yourself, would you cry online if someone did this to us? The answer is yes, don't storm the field. So if some team stormed the field when we were four and three, don't, don't, don't get mad about it. Don't storm the field. There's better ways to feed your social media addiction students than storming the field because you're going to make everyone look like idiots. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I don't endorse this. I don't endorse this, and I almost disagree with it. I think seeing Tennessee do it is just good enough reason. That was so fun to watch them throw that goalpost in the river uh, that, it, that and, it doesn't matter who we play next. I want to storm the field and take the goalpost to the river if we win. It doesn't matter if it's Gardner-Webb, BYU, New Mexico if we're gonna If we're going to do it, Chad, and we have the money to do it, every time we win the game, dump the goalpost. Okay. Just dump them. Okay. Like, we're either all in or all out. There's no, no. in-between. Seriously, thank you for putting this together. I do mostly agree with it. Uh, again, like I told John, this is going to be a natural student-led thing. Us uh, old old bozos on here yeah. talking about storming the field should have no bearing on whether the students do it or not. Uh, I hope no students follow your uh, your your chart. I hope no students listen to our opinions of storming the field. I hope no students are reading anything about storming the field on Twitter. I hope that they just do it. And if they do, I might join in, depending on your flowchart. See, the flowchart is good for people our age. But it's not good for the students. So I will say that uh, I would have liked to seen a student uh, uh, work uh, visual workflow steps box about student or not. Um, so, uh, but we can get there. Thank you for putting that together. Let's get into your picks. First of all, the fire red seven jersey. Oh, I like that. Uh, coming to us live with, from with the Yankee with the Yankee underneath. Yeah, okay. Oh yeah, nice, nice, uh, nice win today. Uh, talk to us about uh, the Liberty game. Uh, I know from uh, some some text messages we had um, that you thought that it opened a little low. Um, it has moved a lot. You've been tracking the movement. Talk to us about the Liberty game, the line, and uh, you know who you're taking this weekend or what you're taking with the Liberty BYU game. So real quick, I know I'm on a pitch count tonight. Uh, I had a bad week last week. I went one and five, one and one and four. Not great. All the games I lost, kind of close. Liberty game, 
it's on me. I'm sorry I'm a homer. I keep betting Liberty. If I don't bet Liberty, everyone's going to tweet me going, oh, you just hate Liberty. Blah, 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 blah. No, I'm sorry I have to take Liberty every week because if not, I'm a bad fan. So if you look at a lot of my losses, a lot of them are because of Liberty. So I see they're here nor there. Uh, so, but I was in Disney all weekend. I'm sorry, sue me. I didn't catch a lick of college football this weekend. But as Elsa said, I'm letting it go. Let it go. Let it go. One and four behind me. We're on to this week. And we start things off, obviously, with Liberty BYU. This game opened at like four and a half, which I went, wait, what? Made absolutely no sense at all. We just beat Gardner-Webb by one. We have not, you know, we've played uh, to our competition pretty much every game we've had. Uh, line opened up, and then it it moved towards Liberty, which was bananas. Uh, when I think the smallest I saw it was like three and a half, and then it swung the other way, uh, most at seven, and it's looking like six and a half right now. I'm going to be 100% honest with everyone. This might be a little controversial. Uh, I wouldn't bet Liberty plus seven unless I found out that the NCAA gave Malik a waiver to play on Saturday. So... I am befuddled because I think BYU wins this game. I'm sorry. Uh, if that makes me a bad fan, so be it. But for, for all intents and purposes, and I'm talking about gambling, I think Liberty wins the game. I, I, I mean, BYU wins the game. I hope Liberty wins the game, but I think BYU wins the game. I'm not going to say handily, but I, I think they win the game um, within the, the seven points. I had people reach out to me from the state of Virginia going, I can't bet this game. Can you bet this game for me? Sending me money, betting it for them. So I, I think BYU covers anything um, within a touchdown. Seven would be the most I would play. If it got to seven and a half, eight, I'd maybe start to look at Liberty. I, I think with Charlie Brewer maybe coming back, um, it's going to allow the offense to open, open things up with Day-Day. So I think if it goes beyond seven, you start to think about Liberty at seven and a half, eight, but anything seven and in, uh, I'm going with BYU. All right, boo, hiss, and uh, I'm going to make sure everybody tweets at you because you can't take your flames and uh, what has been uh, the vision of the school over the last, uh, since its inception in 1971. Let's not talk about that. Let's move on to your other four picks. Uh, we will make sure that everybody chirps you on Twitter for that pick, though. So everyone's your... been chirping me on. Everyone, everyone's been chirping me. Oh on. no! Here he goes. Here he goes. Can I, can I give my quick uh, keys to the game, to the Liberty game? Yeah, sure. All right, key to the game number one: S sacks. We have to get at the quarterback sacks. O offensive line protect for Day Day. Protect for maybe Charlie Brewer. A attitude. Big game. Everyone's talking. Biggest game of all time. Got to keep a good attitude. Last but not least, K-S-O-A-K. Kicking game. If game comes down to a field goal, we got to be ready to kick. S -O -A -K. Okay, what are your next four? What are your, what are your next four? What are your other next four, four games? games? Yes. Wake Forest, minus 20 and a half. Boston College stinks. USA, minus three. Uh, University of New Mexico, plus 11. Home dogs, hungry dog runs faster. And TCU, K-State, over 55 and a half. Both teams have great offenses. Uh, Kansas State has a decent defense, but TCU has a really good offense. Um, I think it's going to be similar to that Kansas-TCU game where they're, they're going to be scoring in the 60s. 
Keep it going. Keep it going. Keep it going. What do you want me to talk about? Your uh, other picks. Your other picks. Those are the four. BYU. Oh. Plus seven. Wake Forest. Minus 20 half. Boston College stinks. USA. Minus three. University of New Mexico. Plus 11. Hungry dogs run faster. TCU. K-State. Over 53 and a half. That University of New Mexico game. Uh, if you can pull that up, producer Nick. This is the worst game. Maybe of the do not watch this game. Do not watch. I think it's uh New Mexico, Fresno State. Fresno State is terrible. And I was high on Fresno State last year. They were the last leg in a parlay I had. They covered, they won a bowl game last year. Similar to Utah State, they came into this year big time. Everyone's looking at them. No, they stink. New Mexico at home, catching 11. The over-under in this game is like 41. Anytime you have a game, are you drinking energy drinks again, Chad? Liquid death, mango okay, uh, flavored. Right. Yeah, no zero energy, I think. Liquid death, great drink. Big fan. Um, New Mexico, anytime that you have a game that the over-under is super low and a team is getting double-digit points, take the points. Vegas doesn't think anyone's going to score in this game. So take the point. So, hey, I like that. <clears throat> that's a good strategy. Uh, if, the, if the points are low and it's a double digit, like you said, take the points. I like that. All right. Richie, uh, when is the next game we will see you at live? I'm going to be at UConn. Oh, nice. So that's pretty close to where you are, I would say. A nice little drive I'm, over. I'm, I'm going to be at UConn. Maybe the the last game of the year, um, last on the schedule game of the year, and um, as, as long as now that we are bowl eligible, if we are in a bowl game that's not in some state like Alabama that has an airport that's preposterous to fly into, we you know we catch a bowl game in Florida, I'll be there. Awesome. Locked sounds, in. Sounds great, uh, and we appreciate your time tonight. We'll see if you can get back to five hundred. Um, and, uh, and see, see if we can, uh, get back up to a, uh, to, you know, I mean, you do this, I would say not as a living, but you do this to help the show, uh, love it. The fans love it. Everybody that watches loves it. So I uh, appreciate you're killing it every week and I uh, appreciate all you're doing. No. And thank you, Chad. This was a uh, great episode. I'm glad you're wearing a shirt because when I popped on, I went, Oh, Chad's, Chad's <laughs> No. All right. All right, Nick, give me some alone time here. I need to need to need to reel this thing in a little bit. All right. A long show tonight. Whew. Uh, glad Mitch could join us. He is uh, he is the best for BYU. Kyle brings such a perspective to this show that we have never had excited for him to be more involved. Uh, you know, it's 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 so much fun talking with him. He explains the game better uh, than than anyone that I talk to about the game because he played it. He coached it at Liberty. So he knows what's going on. Um, thanks to Jason Porter again for all he does. And, uh, you know, uh, again, uh, we're going to run through the math of buying a house for your students at Liberty. And uh, yeah, I think that's about it. I'm excited to mainly see the crowd on Saturday night, win or lose. I hate to lose, but win or lose. Uh, I think this is a great uh, experience for our fans and uh, everybody that'll be in attendance. You will, you will, you will always remember 
this game. Uh, it'll probably top the charts in attendance for a very long time. So, um, yeah, thanks, uh, thanks everybody for um, joining. One last thing here before we go. Kyle mentioned it earlier. We've tweeted it out from a sea of red, and also Kyle tweeted it out. If you predict the closest prediction to the attendance this week, we'll get some uh, coaches only slash players only swag uh, gear from um, Kyle. So uh, he will be monitoring that and doing that competition this week, which is really cool of him to do. I really appreciate that. He has a lot of cool stuff. Uh, you saw him wear a hoodie tonight. Um, uh, hopefully, uh, I don't think he said he's not giving that one away, but uh, yeah, it's at Kyle underscore DeArmond on Twitter. Go give him a follow and also reply to uh, his, his tweet there about attendance to win some of that gear. That is it for this episode. I, I'll be honest with you. There was a few moments tonight that made me uh, question uh, whether or not I ever wanted to do this again um, and uh, how, uh, you know, I just wanted to kind of burn all my Liberty stuff and go cheer for JMU or something crazy like that. But uh, it was a fun episode. I love doing this. And uh, we, we had a lot of fun doing this tonight. And uh, we'll see everyone Saturday. With that, go Flames. Thank you.